Our world is dying, politicians are lying And just when you feel like crying Sit and have a listen to people who have shit themselves Hi, I'm Claudia. I'm Evie and we are the hosts of The Poodcast, a podcast where we basically tell stories about people pooing themselves. Uh, the Poodcast is also a podcast that will focus on and discuss the issues surrounding bowel and bladder conditions such as IBS, Crohn's, colitis, celiac disease, cystitis, urinary incontinence and plenty more, all the big hitters. Beautiful. Um, we want to break the stigma surrounding these conditions and get people talking about toilets. We have historically found these topics especially difficult to talk about whether it be an invisible illness or just what our bodies do naturally every single day. So we think it's time to change that don't we Claudia we do so I feel like I'm so much more hyper than you today I'm sorry I'm gonna rain it back it's in. that iced coffee I had an iced coffee everyone uh so this <laughs> this week our focus will be on diet and lifestyle with Crohn's disease Claudia you've had an iced coffee I did have an iced coffee how has that paid off I actually feel okay and speak to me in 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, this this was an absolute, like, Russian roulette. We're recording the podcast in 20 minutes. We're I know, it now. You but know this that. could, like, this could really backfire, like, very quickly. But I was feeling really tired this morning because um, it's back to school. I'm back at work. Oh, yeah. I have to do things again. And I don't like it. And I'm very, very I was very sleepy when I wake up. So my lovely boyfriend made me a nice coffee. And now I'm buzzing. Great. But we all know what happens when I have coffee. You get cocky and then you get shitty. So everyone watch out. Um, strap in. And I will not apologise <laughs> for what might happen during no, this that, recording. No, that, that's okay. I mean, if, if something does go downhill, if it does go badly, it's okay. We're actually sat right in front of a toilet. All you have to do is get out the duvet fort and get straight into and the And also, like, I refuse to apologise. I'm allowed these things. I didn't ask you to. Well, I feel like you're cross with me for having a nice coffee. And I you. wanted to have one. And I'm allowed to do it. Yeah. So I did it. No, I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm not cross. I just, I, I, it's love and concern. Thank you. Your asshole. <laughs> <laughs> ever thine, ever mine. <laughs> Your asshole. <laughs> And it's made me feel more empowered. So also, so is our guest that's coming up today after reading her blog about asking for what you want in restaurants. And so when I went to this cafe this week, I wanted, like, bread is always a bit funny with me, but I find when it's toasted, Mm. for some reason, it's just better and I wanted this um, fish this fish finger sandwich. And I thought, oh, I won't have that because it's all going to get all doughy in my mouth and whatever. And then I just said to the waitress, um, sorry, could I have this toasted? Which is a normal question. Why was I worried <laughs> so that they were going to be like, oh, who's this bitch? And obviously she she just toasted it for me. But what, to quote Latrice Royale from Drag Race... Bitch actually stands for being in total control of herself. And that's how I felt. I, think- I wanted a toasted freaking sandwich and I just asked for it and everything was fine. Why did I think that this woman was going to go into the kitchen and be like, oh, you've seen that little ginger bitch out front. She's asked for a fun. Well, she probably did say that, but not... But not about me asking for Yeah, she's probably about all the it, other stuff I was doing. It's, it's interesting, isn't it, how like repressed and British we are that we're like oh we can't oh we can't have that because the bread in that one isn't toasted it's so it's stupid just, just ask yeah I, I mean I say that I'm absolutely terrible at doing that it's I'm like is that got gluten in it okay absolutely no problem just put it on my plate I'll pay for it and I won't eat it and that's <laughs> everyone will all be happy with that <laughs> or I'll have a little nibble and I'll be ill for three days but that's totally fine yeah, that's so fine I don't like whatever you can do like can I give you anything else you know it's just do you want a back rub yeah 
Yeah, so, I mean, I'm really glad, and that's empowering. Thank you, I feel empowered. I'm sitting up a little bit taller, actually. How were, How's your bum and tum? Mate, it's not good, actually. I'm not going to lie. I know it's not good, because <sighs> I'm sharing your flat with you today. <laughs> and went, I'm sat next to you. Well, no, we're, but we're sat quite close to your toilette, aren't we? And yeah, not I've had a not, very good morning. it's not been very good, and I didn't have a good morning yesterday either. I don't know, like... What what I don't know what it is, and this morning, I mean, I did go out last night. I was drinking, so um, well, when I say went out, went to a restaurant with my boyfriend, and we got drunk. So I had a bit of an upset tummy this morning, and normally I'd be like, "Oh, that's the booze," but because it happened exactly the same time, exactly the same thing yesterday, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yesterday I didn't eat breakfast, got it. This morning I had breakfast and I got it. I have no idea. I don't know if it's just a morning thing, but you know. But the silver lining is, is that I'm not in pain. I'm not hurting. I suddenly just get this urge, and it's it is a bit sore. And then I go to the toilet, and it and I feel less pain. It's just the relief isn't coming straight away. And you do have that really nice citrus smell in your bathroom. So when I went in after you, it actually smelled really nice in there. Yes, it's a toilet rim from Aldi, absolute Azerbaijan. And it's one pound thirty <laughs> or something, one pound fifty. I don't know what it is. It's so cheap, and it comes with three things. Okay, the one downside three is they don't last especially long i'd expect all three to last a week each sure but you know and they smell great they, they smell make, great. They make the toilet very very like bubbly and clean it's you know nice. when they smell like roses really smell like yours actually smell like lemons yeah thanks so much um the so alternative that... outcast song <laughs> your shit smells like lemons i thought in that song it was boo 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 isn't it roses really smell like, like poo hoo, hoo. is it not poo i think it i don't know if they changed it but it's Boo, I thought it was boo, boo, boo. Come no, what? Poo. Yeah, our producer is saying it's poo. Oh, yeah, because he notoriously gets lyrics he bang on. He loves rap songs. It, it, are you about to look it up? Well, it's roses really, because it's like, I know you like to think yeah, your shit, shit don't, don't stink. stink. Why would it then be like, who's boo? What does boo smell like? Well, I know, like? I used to sing that, but then someone said to me, it's not poo, it's boo. Roses really smell like poo, hoo, hoo, hoo. That's what I thought. Oh, for God's sake, are you looking oh, it up? Hang on, what is it? R- Outcast. Oh, God, we're going to have to edit this bit thoroughly. No, it's, it's fine. It just everyone get a grip. Out. Yeah, no, it is poo. You're yeah, right. of course it's poo. I thought it was poo, but okay, I need to get in touch with the person who told me it was boo. Can um, I, on that note, what? I love people getting lyrics <laughs> wrong. My my friend, you know, Mama say, Mama sa, Mama kusa. She thought it was gonna say what's on my mind this time, gonna say what's on my mind this time, and she found it really empowering. <laughs> I'm just gonna say what's on my I'm mind. What's on my mind oh this my time. gosh, our friend when she when we were at uni, she came into the kitchen and she went stop. In the name of God. <laughs> and we were like, do you know that's not that's not the lyric game? There's so many good ones. Oh my gosh, my boyfriend has done this so many times. I've just overheard him like <laughs> singing stuff. I'm like, what what is he saying? And sometimes I just let him get on with it. But yeah, bum and tum, okay. Tum okay, bum less fine, but not as much no pain really. That's good. Not too but yesterday I was so scared to get on the bus because I had I was on the toilet for half an hour mm. and I was so scared scared to get the bus. Um, so my boyfriend actually transferred me money so I could get an Uber. So Aww. it was quicker for me to get there. I know, so I could be toilet to toilet. Toilet to toilet. Everyone says door to door, but I'm always thinking of <laughs> yeah, toilet, toilet to, to toilet. toilet. That's really good. You should yeah. get like in... Um in the in Harry Potter when they have the flu network. It's like you've got the loo network. Oh my god, we should so pitch it to Le- yeah. JK Rowling? I don't want to talk to her. Well somebody was talking about um shitty mapper 
And it's this idea oh, of like yeah. City Mapper, but it, it it tells you where all the toilets or are. Flush the app, flush. Is that does, what it does? does that yeah, oh, that's really I don't good. Know. Um, but yeah, the poo, the poo network. Oh, that. one we thing as well that I've just remembered as well about my bum and tum this week. Yeah, it's not my actual bum and tum. It was when I was researching for our website. Yeah. I wanted to look up things for turd tales so we could put up like yes, turd yeah, tales yeah. on our website. And I wanted to get a picture for the background that was kind of some sort of like confessional because that's what it is. Oh, it's people, oh, it's God, people yeah. confessing. <laughs> and so I thought, I typed in like toilet confessional into Google Images. Nothing really came up. And I remembered, oh, you, you have these like toilet peepholes, don't you? So maybe there's like a, a fun picture oh, of like a hole that kind of like you can look into a toilet. That would be a really good background <laughs> picture for turtles. Oh, Sweet baby Just Jesus. T- tell us, what did you Google? What I typed in toilet peephole. Right, why did you do that? My eyes, my eyes. You may are as well have ruined. just typed in dirty pervert wanks in toilet. You it may as well. It was honestly horrific. Like, my eyes are forever changed. I saw so many things I cannot unsee. Just basically don't ever type in toilet peephole. Like, not that I'm sure most of you would never do that. No one needs to. But don't do it. Don't do it. Your childhood is over. Everything that I thought was Disney in life is now forever gone. It was horrific. Don't do it. I mean, I love your advice to take away this episode. (laughs) Don't search toilet peephole. Don't do it. Please, save yourselves. Permission to discuss condition. So this week, we are so pleased to have Bryony Hopkins join us. Bryony was diagnosed with Crohn's disease at the young age of four and consequently spent most of her childhood in and out of hospital. When she was 13, she had her large intestine removed, except for a tiny part of the rectum. She lived with an ileostomy until she was 16, but when her symptoms had calmed enough, she was able to have her small intestine reconnected with the end of her large intestine and rectum. At 28, Bryony currently works full-time as a journalist at the BBC, previously writing for the Metro, Independent and HuffPost, and has her own blog, A Belly Full Of, looking at gluten-free recipes and how to lead a successful career and balanced lifestyle with Crohn's. Bryony, how are you doing? Yes, I'm good. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I've been a fan, been listening to the podcast, mainly because the name is just absolutely sensational. Stop it. I think it was you that came up with the name, wasn't it? Well, I don't like to keep score. It was you. (laughs) So, Bryony, how's your bum and how's your tum? So, my bum and tum are actually pretty good at the moment. I had a pretty big flare-up a couple of months ago, so I'm on some, like, mega steroids, which are having some less desirable side effects, but I'm actually feeling pretty good. I'm like, I'm bouncing off the walls. I have so much energy, which is unusual for someone with Crohn's disease. So yeah, I can't complain right now. That's so good to hear. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, how long did your flare-up last? It was a pretty bad one, actually, this time. I was, I had to take about three weeks off work, which I never, I never take that decision lightly. And I was basically just like in bed the whole time. Um... And yeah, I was admitted into hospital and they gave me some mega steroids, which steroids do have a lot of side effects, but they are so amazing at <laughs> treating inflammation. So yeah, at the moment, things are all good. Um, yeah, so can't complain. My bum and tum are in fairly good shape. Bryony, let's talk a little bit about your diagnosis. So you were diagnosed at such a young age. So how did your, what were your parents seeing you that led to your diagnosis? So to be honest, it was actually all happened really fast. I was on a family holiday in Wales 
And I don't, I mean, I was four years old, so my memory of it is pretty blurry, to be honest. But I do remember very vividly going to the toilet a lot. And there was this one time I just, I just have this memory. And this is basically all I can remember is looking down the toilet bowl. And it was just an absolute bloodbath. Sorry, that is so TMI. <laughs> and I remember just going downstairs and I was like, mum, can, can you come and look in the toilet? I don't don't think it's right. I'm laughing. It's not funny at all. And she was like, no, that is really not right. And it, and it all happened quite quickly. Like they basically took me straight to hospital in Wales and I had lots of tests and um, I was very quickly transferred to a specialist paediatric gastro unit. And I was diagnosed with Crohn's very, very quickly. And then kind of just from there, it just, it, it, it's, it's strange how it just, it can just happen. That the symptoms just can come on so suddenly. And that was kind of it. That was my... Um, childhood basically sort of managing the symptoms and it was so aggressive for yeah my age it was unusual and do you think they diagnose you so quickly because it was so aggressive because a lot of people that we've spoken to have said their Crohn's diagnosis took quite a long time so do you think it was because you were so little or because actually you were having such an aggressive time with Crohn's I think it was a bit of both I mean it is more unusual to be diagnosed at such a young age you know IBD is a illness that people develop more towards their late teens and in their 20s so to be diagnosed when you're that young um, and also so one of the sort of first uh, diagnosis procedures is a colonoscopy and they stick a camera up your bum Um, and I had that done quite quickly and it was just it was so evident how ulcerated and how inflamed and how much bleeding was going on inside my colon it 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 was kind of um pretty like what it said on the tin basically so how, how did that then develop what did your sort of school years look like do you know what it's all a bit of a blur because Crohn's disease has sort of been so you know it's part of my it's been part of my entire life um so my brain seems to have this very amazing or slightly terrifying way of um boxing things away and compartmentalizing things but sort of between the ages of four and 12 12 when I had my eventually had my surgery it was literally just going through so many different types of medications like um I went on a liquid diet for many many weeks and I went to school with a nasogastric tube um are like on and off steroids and obviously they if you're on prednisolone it makes you really fat and then you lose the weight really quickly it was very present and everyone who knew me knew I had Crohn's because it was really hard not to know because it was quite visible actually at that point but you know I still went to school and I still you know did everything or you know as much as I could that my friends were doing yeah I mean it did very much take up a lot a lot of my time and a lot of my family's time as well you know because at that age like my mum and dad were like either with me at the hospital, with me at home, and I've got two younger brothers. So it, you know, it did impact like a whole family unit. And so, how much of a difference did you see in your health, Brownie, once you'd had your ileostomy? Were you were you 13, 12, 13 when that happened? Do you know what it was? It was actually life changing. Like, and I'm not that is not an exaggeration. Like, my quality of life leading up to that surgery was, especially in those couple of years just before the operation. Like, I was I I wasn't really at school. I was in I was living in hospital. And, but because I was the age that I was at, everyone, when I say everyone, like the surgeons and the medical team, who I'm actually still treated under now, they're just so cautious. So they don't take any decision lightly. They're not going to like whip out your colon at the age of 12, having not really, really thought about that process. But obviously, whilst they're really, really thinking about that process, you know, I was literally, if I wasn't in bed in hospital, I was on the toilet. Like there, there, there was no, there was no in between. So I was just absolutely desperate. I was like, you just need to get this out. Like, this is, I can't live, 
I can't live with this colon anymore. It's not, it's not my friend. And we've tried everything. And then once I sort of had the bag and obviously, you know, adjusting to living with a stoma as a teenager uh, was a challenge. But, you know, I like did my GCSEs at the same time everyone else did. I did my A-levels at the same time everyone else did. I managed to go to sleepovers. Like, I, I, you know, we all went to Liquid, which was this club. Of all the clubs, they chose you Liquid. Liquid. <laughs> she's got a Liquid diet. She's Liquid got a Liquid club. membership to the club. Um, <laughs> um, like, even I remember one year after I had my surgery, I was in Bugsy Malone as, a, as one of the flapper girls. Get it, Amazing. Girl. You can't, no, I just realised no one can see me dancing and I definitely did not dance like this. We'll describe for the listeners she's doing a Stunning sort of um, kind of flamenco clicking style shoulder <laughs> shimmy. Strictly Come Dancing is just around the corner. You know where to find her. <laughs> so, Bronnie, you then you then had a kind of almost reversal procedure with your stoma and where you were reconnected. How does that work? We haven't really ever spoken to anybody about that. Yeah, so I ha- when I had my surgery when I was 12, they left that rectum bit. And the, the, the reason they left that was, A, actually the disease wasn't as bad in my rectum. And B, it was so that there was a prospect of reversal. And... Going through puberty and at that age, I never really mentally thought about the fact that my stoma would be permanent. It was always like, this is this is temporary and as soon as this gets better, I'm going to have a reversal. So that time, and I remember when I was 16, I was like, right, I've done this for three years now um, and I think we should have a reversal. And my doctor and my surgeon were like, I think you should leave it a bit longer. But I was so, you know, stubborn about it. Um, and they obviously did the, they did a colonoscopy or it's called a flexi once you don't have your colon anymore and it was all looking good and I remember my doctor said we we just need to check he's like we just need to check that your rectum is not like cream cheese and I was like sorry <laughs> and he was like well if it if it's still really inflamed it will be like sewing your small intestine to cream cheese <gasps> and I was like right so he was like we're just gonna really hope it's not like cream cheese well yeah fingers like, fucking crossed and also that mental image anyway it wasn't like cream cheese it was more like a hard cheddar probably <laughs> that's lovely I'd like that <laughs> and then, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what the ridiculous thing is I'm dairy intolerant so I can't eat any of these things anyway <laughs> I know, we need to put, like, a disclaimer out for any cheese lovers. That, you know, we don't want to ruin anything for anybody. But, you know, as you were, Bryony, as you were. Um, so they literally um, sewed the, the end of my small intestine to my rectum, and that is what my plumbing looks like now. But obviously, you know, my uh, toilet habits are very different because I don't have a colon anymore. So I, my normal is, is going to the toilet much more than the normal person because, you know, I don't have that large bowel that slows the whole process down basically so uh, could we um ask you how many times a day you might have to go to the toilet and how different is it to i say normal people in inverted commas i obviously don't mean that but to what you'd expect so i always get up to go to the toilet in the night which probably sounds bizarre but i've just got i've just got used to that and then during the day assuming i'm not in a flare-up um probably like seven or eight times a day and when, even when I go to the doctors now they're like oh that's a lot and I'm like should we just re- should we just draw a quick diagram of my anatomy and then we'll work out it's actually not that much yeah. <laughs> and so Bronnie you then went off to Loughborough Uni to do drama whoop yeah. whoop we yeah. love a drama student they're all a bit mental um and you say on your blog you kind of this is the time you had to start opening up to people about your Crohn's why why was that why was this the time to start talking to people I think because I 
up until that point, you kind of have the separate, like when you're at school, you kind of still have the separation of where you live. So you can, can kind of still keep things separately. But obviously, you know, bathroom habits, you know, that's not private when you live with other people. And, and going to uni was obviously the first time that I moved away from home and lived with friends. And, you know, lots of the things that I would deem as normal as my sort of day-to-day life, i.e. like getting up to go to the toilet in the night. I realised that wasn't, you know, lots of people don't do that. And like, so me being like, well, I, I need an ensuite or if I'm going to be in a shared house, I have to be on the same floor as a toilet. Like it's not even up for discussion. So those conversations, I realised that you kind of have to have, you kind of have to start having those conversations when you're living with other people. Um, and I was really lucky that I lived with some really amazing girls and I did drama, which meant I was very close with my course mates. So the only sort of downside of having reversal surgery is that it's more surgery, which causes more internal scar tissue. So I did have quite a lot of issues during uni with um, bowel obstructions, which is basically sort of when your bowel twists and everything just like stops and gets all bit clogged up. And sometimes it can kind of sort itself out, but I actually needed to have two major operations at separate times to sort that out. And again, like when you're doing drama, all of our performances are group. So like you're all, you know, dancing around and, you know, pretending to be trees, which I was an excellent tree. But also, you know, what are they going to do when the tree's in surgery? <laughs> the the tree... show cannot go on without the tree. It's tree surgery. <laughs> it's tree surgery. That's good. It'd be very quick. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I just had to, I had to just, I, I had to just start being honest. And it was a bit of a, um, yeah, it was a bit of a, a relief, to be honest, when I realised that no one thought I was different. You know, this was a t- time before social media, really. Um, so I didn't have the amazing community there is now to know that there are lots of people there were lots of people going through the same thing I just thought I was like this weird girl that like pooed all the time well we are both those people and yeah. we, we don't have Crohn's so. so yeah I was gonna say we don't even have the excuse we are just those weird drama students that poo all the poo time all the time um <laughs> oh gosh so with kind of that that reversal surgery then wh- why were you so desperate to have it what why were you so stubborn about that do you know what I've always been being treated by doctors for so long. I'm very uh, bloody-minded about what I want. I, st- I still am. Like, I have a bit of a... I think I have a bit of a reputation of being a bit scary with doctors because <laughs> I will just be so firm about what I want. And I think you have to be when you're living with something that so impacts every fabric of your life. You know, if you want something, you should just ask for it, basically, is what I have learned. But in terms of the reversal, I just... Looking back on it now, if I was in this, if I was in the same position now, I, you know, would I have the reversal? I couldn't possibly say. But at that time, as a teenager, I went to an all-girls school. It was difficult having a bag, you know, b- between those ages where your your body's changing and your hormones are changing, and you know, you you're trying to figure out who you are, and then add a stoma bag on top of that. It, it was a difficult time. I wanted to be like everyone else. Now I really don't. I realise that is not important. But when you're 16 years old, oh yeah, it, it, that is you know, feels like the most important thing in the world. And that kind of sense of body empowerment, one of the articles that you wrote for the Huff Post was all about showing off your scar and how these things should be celebrated. And I think we reposted this brilliant mm, picture of it. you the other day when it was all really hot and you're in your bikini saying, celebrate your body, celebrate your scars. Can you tell us a bit about writing that article and kind of the importance of it for you? I think, again, it's, that, it's about that body image. My body image was so actually dictated by what my Crohn's was doing. So it was dictated when, I, well, you don't really have a body image, I guess, when you're sort of 
younger but then once I was beginning to come to, like understand my body I had a stoma so that was sort of how my introduction was to body image and then that I had my reversal and I had this scar and I was going on holidays with my friends and I just I didn't feel like I looked like everyone else and I didn't see anyone in the media who looked like me I didn't see anyone on websites or billboards and I was like god this scar must just be so weird and unusual and I just used to spend so much time hiding it and actually you know that took so much of my energy and so much of my brain space so it was just after uni and I met my partner at uni which also I think had a big impact on how I felt about my body and my body confidence and I just there was just one day I went to the beach and realized you know I'm wearing a bikini because that's what I want to do yeah I'm still sitting here and like you know trying to cover my tummy like what is why what is the point and as soon as you as soon as I changed the way that I was standing and like held my shoulders back I also realized that like no one is looking nobody cares the only person that cares is me and it's taking up all of my energy and brain space what a waste of time and then when I started thinking about it and I was like hold on like I'm hold on a second (laughs) (laughs) I am here on this beach on holiday you know that I've bought with money that I've earned that I have worked for through all of this crap that I've had to go through why am I being like, oh, I don't want anyone to see me. I don't want anyone to have a look. Like, you know, I should, if anything, I should be, you know, standing on the podium and, you know, doing my flapper dance. Like, you know, everyone needs to see it. We've already seen how good it We've is. We've seen your flapper dance. It's sensational. Don't rob anybody else of it. It's brilliant. That's, when you put it like that, though, in such a practical way, it does make you kind of realise it's changed your mentality. Like, it's so bizarre how we try and either I don't know if it's an attempt to make other people feel comfortable with the way our body looks but mm-hmm. everybody is generally so self-involved they don't care what anyone else looks like yeah. they're just worried about themselves yeah. and I think you're probably making it much easier for you know younger or very young people with Crohn's that may have had reversal surgery they've got a scar or they've got a stoma bag whatever it is like you're making it so much easier for other people when you didn't have that I mean you say you've not seen anybody you know like yourself on billboards or you said you didn't that still is the case. Yeah. There's no one really in TV shows or films that I've ever seen personally mm. um, that have it. And I think at the moment it seems to be coming more from social media, like people like yourself kind of raising awareness. But it hasn't yet filtered into, I don't know, a Calvin Klein model with a stoma bag. You know, I think oh that God, would be that really be refreshing. Um, so in 2016, you you were talking about, is this a liquid diet? Yeah, because obviously we want to talk to you a lot today about kind of diet and lifestyle. Mm. And Um, I want to know loads about gluten-free recipes. I'm absolutely buzzing. (laughs) She's gagging for it. I'm gagging for it. So how did this... So you decided to do a liquid diet over the choice of steroids. Again, I think we're learning as well that you have this confidence to ask for these things. So how did that kind of consultant... Yeah, please help (laughs) us do that. So how did that consultant appointment go for you? Um, It was actually probably one of the most interesting appointments I've ever had. I... Yes, it was 2016 and I was, it was, it it was, it was a mild to moderate flare. So it, you know, the liquid diet isn't always an option, but in that scenario it was. And um, my consultant was like, you need to go on prednisolone. So prednisolone steroids, for me personally, give me the most horrendous side effects, not least because my face swells and you get more hairy and more spotty, but also for my mental health, it, it really had really terrible side effects. And I just was like, that is absolutely not even remotely an option. So what are my other options? And he was like, well, you, you, don't, you don't have any. <laughs> and I was like, okay. 
Okay, sorted. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you and, and good night. But I, I'd obviously done the liquid diet when I was younger and it was actually really, really successful. And I said, what about the elemental liquid diet? I, I did that when I was a child. I, we know that works, so why can't we, why can't we do that? He said, well, Bryony, you know, adults don't really have the willpower to not eat for four weeks. And I was like, all right, doc, well... <laughs> You are weak. So, so that was the reason. There was no sort of like medical reason as to why you couldn't do it. He just said you can't do it because you won't have the willpower. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like, well, and he was like, no, I just, I just think it'll be really difficult for you. And I was like, well, you know, steroids are going to be difficult for me. So, you know, there's no like grass is greener. Like, you know, it's not great on either side, but at least with the liquid diet, I have some sort of element of control as, as bizarre as that sounds. So I was like, well, I, well, now you've just said that I'm going to find it really difficult. I'm obviously going to do it. Because... <laughs> I love it. So he was like, okay, well, you know, we'll, 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 we'll see how this goes. And I was like, yes, we will see how this goes. We will see how <laughs> Goodbye, this goes. Goodbye, sir. <laughs> and how did it go? How did you find it? Oh, do you know what? It was really, it was really hard, but it, it got easy. Like the, the first two weeks are just bizarre. And it was actually, that's how I started my blog because when I was supposed to be having my meals, I didn't really know what to do with myself. So I, I started writing and, um, you know, I was literally like in meetings and people would say things and I was like imagining, you know, hamburgers instead of heads. Like, like, <laughs> you know, like people were coming in with like pens and paper and I thought it was a Claire's. Like, it, like in cartoons where you see like, it's <laughs> like a talking person who's turned into a giant piece of chicken. Like, <laughs> and they're drooling. There was one really funny time when it must have been in the first week and I, me and my partner were living separately and he came, he came over and bless his heart, like he obviously couldn't eat with me because we, I couldn't eat, but he needed something to eat. So he'd like just come from work and he went, he'd like went to Sainsbury's on the way home and bought like one of those pack of like chocolate crepes. A bit random, but, that, but that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking. It was a weird time for us all, but he, <laughs> he, got, he got to mine and he was like unpacking his, his, um, his backpack and got these crepes out and I honestly don't know what happened to me but I just saw red and I was like what do you think you're doing bringing these crepes into my house you know I cannot eat and I picked up the crepes and I threw them across the room (gasps) I mean a liquid diet would do that to me I think (laughs) I think that's fine I remember his face he literally was like he, he like mouth on the floor eyes wide open like what has actually happened to you and then about and then Two hours later, I was crying and saying that I was sorry. And, you know, I hope you can, the crepes are still in good enough shape to eat. Like, it was just... <laughs> <laughs> just going up to him with these, like, half mouldy crepes. Like, I saved them for you. But honestly, like, hang- like hanger is just horrendous. Yeah, even, even if you are full, even if you're satisfied by the liquid diet, whatever you're having, even if you are, you've got all your nutrients, you've got everything that you need, all your calories, you've not sat down and had a meal your mouth hasn't started to digest food you've not had the pleasure of looking and smelling at something nice and I think that in itself is massively detrimental to your mental health like that is incredibly hard so how was it then when you introduced food again so you have to introduce it super slowly it's something called a low flex diet and it's basically just like low fiber and then you sort of like reintroduce all the food groups and I'd actually already been sort of kind of non-committal dairy-free for a while so I already knew that kind of didn't really suit me well in terms of bloating and pain um but it was through that process I also discovered that gluten was thoroughly not my friend because I think I on top of the Crohn's 
my gut is just in all sorts of worlds of trouble. I think I've actually developed a bit of IBS on top of the Crohn's. So like my bloating, that is definitely IBS. It's not Crohn's per se. So yeah, it was through that process that I went completely dairy-free, completely gluten-free, and I haven't looked back since actually. It made it made such a big difference to the bloating and the pain and things that I thought were kind of normal to live with and until I realised that they weren't and it was actually quite amazing not to have that. And on your Absolutely. on your blog, um the part of the belly full of is that you look at a lot of gluten flea gluten flea. Oh well, who's a gluten the gluten flea? I'm a gluten flea. <laughs> you are a gluten flea. You look at a lot of gluten free recipes or kind of you call them um allergy eateries. Where are your top places in London to go to if if you are gluten free? Do you know what? There are so many now and I also obviously haven't left the house in such a long time because of COVID times. So but um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Daisy Green. They are sort of like a collection of um, brunch places. They are really, really good. And also really good for, you know, swapping things out or because a lot of the time gluten is kind of fairly straightforward. Um, you can ask for gluten free bread. Um, but dairy is a bit more difficult because it's normally like mixed in with stuff. I've never heard of those places and I always found that brunch is quite difficult gluten-free wise because everything is very toast heavy. Um, Which is the worst. I hate brunch. I know because you can't have eggs. I can't have eggs. I can't have avocados and I can't have berries. So it just seems like nobody wants to give me any food when I go to brunch. I eat. It's the worst time of day for me. I hate brunch. Claudia has a very difficult life. Um, <laughs> could you... Could you... That was very dismissive. Um, I would now... Okay, I would like to know about gluten-free recipes. What do you... What are your sort of go-to? Because I think I'm in a bit of a rut gluten-free recipe-wise. What is a good meal to make? For like dinner, a dinner after work, let's say. <laughs> She's getting very It's a Wednesday, it's autumn. <laughs> You're shimmying, stop it. Sorry. Do you know what? I am a massive um, pad thai fan. Pad thai is gluten-free. So if you, the, it's rice noodles, which are gluten-free. Um, and as long as the sauce is okay in terms of like, you know, the spices and the garlic and stuff, it's normally gluten-free. And you just chuck it in with some chicken and some prawns, bit of bean sprouts. Because I do like rice noodles but I always I, I've just never been in the habit of cooking them and I think that's a lot of the time it's just changing your habits but thank you that's going to definitely be something that I try out she's got a little smile on her face now I'm very happy <laughs> I'm about. very happy but in general actually Thai food's quite good like Thai curries uh, chicken satay I love chicken satay um Bridie one thing that I was really interested on your blog is you talking a lot about managing a career with Crohn's and I think it would be really helpful for a lot of people, myself included, to kind of talk about tips for talking to your manager or colleagues about living with a chronic illness. How do you how do you go about doing that, especially being freelance? You must have kind of had to have this conversation quite a lot. What are your kind of top tips for that? I think so. I've kind of learned the hard way in terms of my first ever job I had out of uni. I was a receptionist and I actually wasn't allowed to leave the desk. Because if I left the desk and I missed a call, then it was my fault. And so I, I, and I didn't declare that I had Crohn's before I started this job. So I really, really learned the hard way because, you know, no one wants to be chained to a desk, especially if you have a gut issue. And then I um, got my first job uh, actually at the BBC at that time. And I just realised that I needed to be upfront. So I, I guess my, my top tip is in the first instant, as much as you feel comfortable with sharing tell your manager from the offset and then there's no 
you know, there's both there's expectation on both sides, and and also then it, it kind of lifts the weight off your shoulders when you do have a flare up, and you know it comes out of nowhere, and you were fine yesterday. If you've already explained that your condition can just kind of come hurtling around the corner, and I might look fine one day, but actually the next day I, I'm really not in a place to work, then there's no feelings of well, worrying that they're going to think that you're just like skiving off or that you're lazy. Yeah, I've learned that the best thing to do is to be upfront right from the beginning and and when you say right from the beginning do you mean in an interview when you offer the job when you apply for the job when would you do that so now I actually will I haven't done this previously but now I will tick the box that says do you consider yourself having a disability um and it, it sometimes says say what this is and I'll write Crohn's disease sometimes it doesn't and I'll just leave it and then in the interview sometimes it comes up in conversation in reference to what we're talking about so obviously in my line of work, I have actually done quite a lot of writing about IBD. And to be fair, people can probably Google my name and find out that I've got Crohn's pretty quickly. So it's there on the offset, which I appreciate is not the same for every job. But, you know, there are laws in place now that you shouldn't be discriminated against. And I think that it's just really important to know that you won't be discriminated against. And actually, most employers will support you to be the best that you can be because they want you know ultimately they want you to be the best that you can be and you want to be the best that you can be so but to do that you need to have a mutual understanding of where the land lies so you know I'm not pretending it's easy to have those conversations it's really really not but the other thing I've also realized is that you know management and they're the people as well so the chances are a they probably relate to you on some level B, they probably might know someone with a gut issue as well. And C, they are compassionate. They do understand. And if you make sure that it's an open conversation and you tell them, I, I will say now, you know, do you want me to, do you want to ask any questions? Do you want me to explain how Crohn's impacts the body? And I've done that quite a few times where I'll explain it's an autoimmune disease. I'll explain it's my body attacking itself. I'll explain that I have no control over, you know, how it comes about. And it just means that, you know, when things do get rubbish or I do have to get a hosp- have a hospital appointment, there's, it's all, everyone's on the same page. Yeah. Do you ever find that having an invisible illness as well affects your job ambitions, your career ambitions? Because I feel like it, to some extent there must be some um, fear of letting people down or of, you know, getting to a really uh, amazing position in a job and then worried that you might have to take time off work you know obviously you've had an amazing career already at only 28 being a writer has this ever affected affected your ambitions within your career yeah it definitely has I think um one of the things I learned so I I actually after I had my reception job I went I started the BBC and I was doing shift work which I was doing like earlies lates I was doing 10 12 hour shifts I learned very quickly that that was that again that was out of the question I cannot you know that kind of um how much your circadian rhythm and your gut is interlinked is actually amazing and terrifying. But like if I was on an early shift, so I would get up at five and start work at six, like my stomach was in bits for the whole of the day. And I was like, well, this isn't really sustainable, is it? And I wasn't doing my best work. So in that sense, I've realised, you know, there are a lot of jobs in media that I can't apply for or won't apply for because they won't work for me. So I guess it's just kind of uh, adapting what your aspirations are to what works for your body and you know that doesn't happen overnight it's kind of a bit of a trial and error thing but I do firmly believe you can still do whatever you want to do like I'm quite a big believer that you know at the end of the day it's not our fault so 
what we're gonna do like lie under a duvet all day like we're doing right now like we're doing right now <laughs> this is our ambition this, we're, we're seeing it through Bryony, you've sent us some hilarious uh tales of of times that your bum has has, has been prodded and and like Every, everyone's bums have been prodded everyone's bum's been I prodded feel yours more than others um <laughs> do you want to tell tell our listeners about about your about your bum diaries oh my bum diaries yes indeed <laughs> it just it really made me think of this um incident i had about two months ago when i was in this flare-up and i wasn't very well and i had to go into hospital and where my Crohn's is now is kind of all around my bum area. And one of the symptoms of this that isn't talked about a lot is abscesses, which sounds as disgusting as it is. It's basically a, a big pussy boil on your bum, mainly around your bum hole to be more specific. Oh. Unbelievably painful. I went into this appointment and it was with a doctor who I haven't met before, but he must have been about the same age as me. And he was like, I'm just really sorry, but I'm just going to have to put a finger up your bum hole just to make sure that, you know, there's nothing else going on there. And I was like, sure, fine. Yeah. And he was like, I am so, so sorry. And I was like, why are you apologising? You're just doing your job. And he was like, I'm just so, and I could just, actually, we were both wearing masks. This was during, this is during COVID times, but I could still see his face just getting redder from like the mask upwards. (laughs) And he was like, I'm just going to go and get a chaperone. And he was like, I'm just so sorry. He was like, I'll just, I'll just put my little finger in. And like, oh, God. It's like, you know, I'm all for consent and everything. <laughs> but it's like people say they go on these first dates and these guys are like, would you mind if I kissed you now? <laughs> okay, here it comes. And you're like, no, you don't need to ask me this much. Just, we've, we've, I've given you my consent. Just fucking do it. And I was like, you know what? Like, I've literally had things up my bum since I was like four. So you get to a point where you really just don't care anymore. And he was like, just went completely silent. And I could just see, honestly, it was like scarlet now all the way up to his hairline. Anyway, slipped his little finger in and it was, <laughs> it was all fine. But I was like, it just, I was actually laughing because I was like, I just felt sorry for him. Because I was like, why have you gone into gastro if you're so embarrassed putting your finger in someone's bum hole? Like, you're just doing your job. I, yeah. I mean, do you think he had a bit of a crush on you, Barney? Or, like, I mean, somebody's done it wouldn't. to him? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. He might not have done it before. Yeah, maybe you were his first bum. <laughs> My first bum. <laughs> it is funny, though, isn't it? You think, like, oh, doctors shouldn't feel shouldn't feel that way because that is their job. But I, I had a, um, in my other bum diaries, I had a um, flexi recently where they, they put a camera up your bum. And I always have sedation because it's so uncomfortable and so painful. But one time I was like, so I'm going to have sedation. And the nurse was like, are you having sedation because it's uncomfortable or you feel embarrassed? And I was like, well, you know, obviously this is a less than ideal scenario, but I'm, I'm not embarrassed because you know, it's a medical thing. Should I be embarrassed? And he and he was just a bit like, didn't really know what to say to that. And then he was like, I'm just going to take your uh, pulse. I was like, okay, yeah, check that I'm still alive. Sure, that would just... <laughs> what a weird thing to say to somebody as yeah, well. Yeah, you're like, well, I wasn't embarrassed, now I am. <laughs> do you think I'm supposed... I do think there should be like kind of almost stock phrases that, you know, that you should learn. Like, I always think about when I was in a restaurant once and I said to this guy that I couldn't have eggs. And he went, okay, so can I just ask, what's wrong with you? I thought, is there a better way? Is there a better way? And because then me being me, I went, oh, where do we start, honey? Yeah. Like, and I then made it worse and he got really like embarrassed. But I just thought, 
you know, surely you should train staff as well to kind of have these sock phrases so that you can ask, like, do you have an allergy? Or, What's you know, wrong with you? or like, is there a reason today why you've chosen sedation? Is there is there anything that we can do to make you feel more comfortable? Not, yeah. are you embarrassed, sweetie? This like, is why we need the drama students to yes. go in and teach them how to say things. We should do a workshop. Although I don't think we should be the ones to tell people what to say. God, no. Fuck it now, that'd be horrendous. Oh. So, Bryony, where can people um, find you online? You've got this amazing blog. How can people access it? So you can find my blog at uh, www.abellyfullof.com and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bryony E. Hopkins. And your Instagram is great. I very much recommend it. It's very good. We're learning a lot about how to gram ourselves and you're very much a point of call that we look (laughs) at and we're like, okay, maybe if we try stuff like that, people will like us. Yeah, we'll do that. (laughs) Do what Bryony's doing. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on, Bryony. It's been such a pleasure having you. Thank you so much for having me. Flap a dance out, everyone. Stop what you're doing. Let's talk about pooing. Turn around, stick it out, show what it's all about. Bubble burn. Bubble, bubble, bubble. Stop it. Sorry. Right, before we get to our turtle this week, I want to talk to you, right. Evie Killip. Mm-hmm. That's me. About boundaries okay. that you have crossed. Have I? And I I felt so cross of you this week. Oh, no. Why? Like, why? Because you sent me a picture of a child's poop thinking that I would enjoy it and I was sat with my colleagues at work and a massive picture of a massive poo in a potty flashed up on my screen and I couldn't get rid of it because every time I went to message you back saying, I'm so cross of you, it came up and there were people looking at my phone and it was so embarrassing and also it was foul. Why did you send that to me? Okay, got a number of reasons. Oh. First of all, I'm glad you said that it was a huge poo. I couldn't believe it. I was I was looking after the th- three-year-old and she said that she wanted to go to the toilet and she normally needs help. And she said, no, 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 she wanted to go on her own, but she can't reach the toilet. So she obviously had to go on the potty because it's, you know, sort of toddler level. And then I just heard, um, Evie, I've finished my poo now and it's really big. <laughs> And I was like, oh, okay, just thought it might be just, you know, a, p- a poo and I'd have to help her wipe her bottom, dispose of, you know, get rid of the poo. I didn't realise she was going to do it in the potty. So I got and I was like, oh God, it's in the potty. I have to then put it down the toilet and wipe the inside of the potty, a complete nightmare. The kid is also on laxatives because she sometimes struggles to poo, but just, just enough to kind of keep it going. It's not, you know, sort of really bad diarrhea. I can see it in my head again. It was, I would describe it as the consistency of chocolate mousse. Stop it. Stop it, it but, but now. The only thing about that is, is that... As, Perfect, what I've just described there. It was, we'll put a picture on the Instagram. No, we won't! (laughs) No, we won't! I don't want to see it anymore. Just because this is called the podcast, I don't want to look at people's poo. So sorry that we've set up something called the podcast, and now you're now saying that you're repulsed by poo. If this isn't the biggest act of hypocrisy of 2020, (laughs) and I include Boris Johnson's U turn on face masks. Oh my God. But it doesn't mean that I want to sit. I'm not freaking Gillian, what's her face? Gillian McKeith. Yeah. Yes, I'm not her. I'm not Gillian McKee. Okay, I look, don't want to look. Look, look at- I didn't like... Look, I didn't like it either. It's not like I went in and saw this turd in the potty and think, oh, God, I, you know, who's going to love a piece of that? But I just couldn't. She said it was big and she was bang right. It is. It was the size of a melon. It's just so... Inc- I'm not saying it's 
great to look at but it is remarkable and i was really proud of her because she's had trouble potty training in regards to pooing and she just went off fucked off on her own did a massive shit on the potty i thought i couldn't believe my eyes so basically i took the picture to send to the dad because he loves that kind of thing and then i just thought it would be a bit remiss if i then didn't send it to your employer well, he asks me to. Well, he doesn't ask me to, but I have in the past and he said, oh, you know, I, I love that. And they're very aware of her bowel movements because she's had such bad uh, constipation and they're not really sure. I'm of... not going to lie. I don't care. I'm laying down the law. Okay, I, won't do I don't want to see pictures of your poo. You hear us, producer man? I don't want to see pictures of your poo. I'm not okay. going to send you any pictures of my poo. Listeners, I, I don't want pictures of your poo. Claudia, you know what this is? What? A poo turn. Ah! This is not a poo turn. It is a poo turn. I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. So You're frustrated. Do you know what was ironic as well? Is because we were no, the fact ready- you set up a podcast called The Poodcast. I'm going to fucking punch you. <laughs> Can I just say, yeah. it's on. I am going to send you something when I know you are at your worst. That's spiteful. When you That's are really at your spiteful, most... Claudia. If you You're send my me a most message, spiteful friend. If you <laughs> send me a message saying, <laughs> I've had a really rubbish day... I'm going to go back on Google That's Images, nice. type in toilet peephole, and I'm going to send you what the you worst saw? picture I can find, probably at night, because I know that you suffer from sleep deprivation. This is horrible. This is how bad this has gotten. I'm so cross with you. Oh dear. Well, please email in your thoughts. Not to your pictures. Poodcastofficial at gmail.com. I believe we do have a turd tale. And that wasn't even the turd tale. No, it wasn't. The segment's supposed to be five minutes. You've just been laying into me for some innocent misdemeanour. We're going to go into the turd tale. This week, our turd tale is called Lights, Camera, Explosion. I like it a lot. All right. Already. So I backed myself a music video for a friend's band. They were a new indie rock band and in the music video, I was given the role of this man who, to set the scene, kept seeing this other woman that he fancied, even though he's got a girlfriend. So this is rattling his brain and he has this dark side and ends up turning to alcohol. That was a very depressing music video. And on the shoot, I had to essentially drink a truckload of apple juice from Concentrate as a kind of whiskey supplement for the camera. I do that. Mm -hmm. Sorry. So I did the first little bit and it all went well until we decided to go to the last location we were going to film that day. And this was going to be on one of those bridges you get over the motorway. So we're in the car on the way and I start to feel a little rumble in my tummy and another rumble down below. So I end up saying to the driver of the car, who was the AD... Hey, mate, do you mind pulling over? I think I might be sick. Because I thought sick was a bit more of an acceptable term than I'm going to shit myself. And he said, of course, of course. I shrugged and mumbled. Yeah, it must be the apple juice. So I wasn't fully lying. So I go to the side of the road. I remember just speaking to myself saying, do not shit yourself. Come on, you're on a paid job, a professional gig. Come on, man, please don't do this. So I end up holding it in thinking, you know what? Breathe through it. You can do it. So we end up going to said location above the motorway and we are filming the scene where my character is looking out of the top of the bridge thinking about his life and I think, fuck, fuck, I cannot hold this in anymore. So I asked the team to stop filming and said, guys, guys, I think I'm going to be sick again trying to laugh. I think it's all the apple juice. I'm just going to go down here a second. So I go down the stairs hoping to find a little patch of something or other, but there wasn't. It was literally just the side of the motorway. I'm out of the way of the crew though, so I decide to let rip. Cars are zooming past me and I'm shitting myself on the pavement. Oh my god. I luckily had a pack of tissues in my back pocket, so you can imagine what I did with those. Then I went to the top and said, guys, I feel so much better now, thanks for that. Just just needed a bit more fresh air. 
then, not finished yet, sorry. The director says, I want to film a shot of you coming up the stairs on the bridge. <gasps> so I automatically shout, no, guys, I have to confess, um, I was actually sick down there. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. So the director appeases me by saying, it's cool, we'll only film halfway down the stairs. So I'm thinking, great, they're going to see everything that was released from my bowels on the side of the motorway. I only go halfway down the stairs and stand in front, so hopefully nobody can see that I shat myself in the middle on a job on the side of the motorway. Just to make matters worse, on the way home, the director then decided he'd give me a lift back to the station. We pull up on the side of a wooded area. I say, I need to go for a wee. But in fact, no, no, more poo was there. So guys, I think the moral of my story is do not, whatever you do, drink apple juice from concentrate in large quantities because it will fuck you over. Oh my goodness. I can't even imagine being on an acting job thinking that I'm going to shit myself. Just the worst. And especially if you're nervous as well. To be fair, actually, I can imagine what it's like to be on an acting job thinking I'm going to shit myself because that's how I feel all the time (laughs) when I'm I'm on all these acting jobs that I have. But like you do, you already have those nerves. So then to feel like that your body is actually going to betray you in the worst possible way. And like it is when in a professional environment like that, you want to act like you're really cool, calm and collected. You don't want to be like dashing off to go and fucking shit yourself. Although I can really, relate to the whole like whiskey drinking thing because oh, yeah. I got I got into quite a big apple juice phase uh, while I was watching Mad Men because they all drink whiskey in that so okay. I used to put ice in like a little tumbler and like a shot of of uh, apple juice and just like neck it back and pretend I was like Don Draper and be like she was four <laughs> it's just so fun to do and I do think a couple of times I maybe did that so many times that it gave me a bit of an upset stomach yeah it's dangerous that stuff man juice is very deceptive all yeah. that fructose it's gonna fuck you over it, but the thing is it's not your fault they made you drink the apple juice yeah this is then you get this with a lot of acting jobs like suddenly you know they'll be like oh would you just mind we need to film you swimming in the sea in January I'm like yeah like, what I don't really want to do that. And what other job would you be like? Okay, this is the job. You could just sneak I've got off to do it. And go to you know, the they're not paying me, but maybe this will be my big break. Honestly, the crap that we have to do—it's insane. I mean, I had to do this audition once where I had to pretend that I was eating a burger, and they told me that it didn't look like I was eating a burger. It looked like I was eating a hot dog. Oh, and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And like readjusted my hands, tried to like open my mouth as wide as I could. There is no burger in said hands. It, also, the fact that it looked like you were eating a hot dog, I mean, that's very close to a burger. Also, there's no fucking burger. cares. You can still... The thing is, in things like that, you're going to be eating a burger in yes, the real shop. Exactly. And you can obviously do that. It's just sometimes... I can. I can do that. I bet you can. And I sometimes think like they always say, oh, do you have any allergies? And I do obviously have a gluten tolerance, but... To be honest, like if you paid me enough for like a McDonald's advert, I'm going to eat a McDonald's. Don't tell them I've got. Oh, my vegetarian I, I friend was in a McDonald's advert really? and ate chicken. Yeah, I'd, yeah, do it so that she could be in it. Yeah. like this is what we do. We just let you it's abuse us and use us just for the big hope of the the lights of the big city, the big fame that we are such a big city. That was good. It's Chris. Hey, do you want a Chris? I got a popsicle in my pocket there. I can't whistle. Chris. Dallas, the bars club, drugs. HIV, it's what I do. So we're very sorry that sorry. you um you shat your pants from having too much apple juice. It wasn't your fault. They say an apple yourself. a day keeps the doctor away, but uh, too much apple it. juice makes you come out of your caboose. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You're very Italian American. Oh, like right, it's Claudia. That they call it, a caboose. <laughs> a caboose. But we uh we want to say thank you to everybody who has been supporting us on social media. And for those been... of you that haven't been supportive, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't cut that out. 
Please think of that. Because then I'm always the nice it's one. It's just an interesting take on saying thank you to those people who've been supportive. Oh, isn't so it? we're trying to like flip it. Flip it. All right. Um, it okay, fresh. fine. Um, massive, you know, I'm not very good at being mean. Um, fuck you, so a, a, a massive two fingers up to, to the to the people who are not listening and downloading. Chloe you, says up yours. You won't you won't get any Christmas presents. Not from us. Nope. Um and, and um a massive um bugger off to, to the people who haven't left us any any reviews. Oh yeah. We'll write those reviews for you. Just let us know. We'll email you. We'll what? review you, you, you <laughs> nasty ninnies. This isn't going well. So, yeah, please do share, rate, review, subscribe, all the above. And tell people, if you think, hey, my mum would like this or my my mate, he'd like this, please just word of mouth, get these things around. And Massively. we'd like to hear a broader range of turd tales. Um, so thank you for those of you who have sent in your turd tales. But we know every single one of you out there has got one. We know so, you've got one. And just I know give when you, it. When you hear this, one will come to mind. Yeah. So please, we'd love to hear it. And you know what? What? Oh, no, they wouldn't be able to send us this. If you want to, you could send us a voice note of your turd tale. If you can't yeah. be bothered to type it why, up. Why don't you? You could probably send that on email. And also, maybe a picture, because Claudia likes it. No, 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 don't do it, please. <laughs> um, thank you so, so much for listening. Um, yeah, if you would like to email in, please email us on uh, thepoodcastofficial at gmail.com or find us on Instagram or Twitter at the underscore podcast and we also have a website check it out it's thepoodcast.com and you can find out about guests that are coming up we've got upcoming guests oh isn't that fun exciting and hopefully one of them will have really nice eyes <laughs> well you all have nice eyes but you know mm-hmm. this could be you if you're listening love you bye everyone bye <laughs>